Good evening. Welcome to the uh, next edition of the uh, 12 Man Podcast. Another positive week um, in Teesside. Um, it's going to be a good, another good chat. I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, got me, Steve Jackson. I'm in the main chair. It's very unusual. Uh, got Mr. John Donovan. He's with us again. Evening, JD. No, then. Thank you. I was trying to talk there, but uh, you were just making me do my actions. But hello there. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Good. <laughs> my actions. God, I can't wait to go back on YouTube. I really can't. Got <laughs> Mr. John Cutler with us. Evening, Cuts. Evening, lads. Hope oh, we're all all right after a good performance on Saturday. Massive, massive yes for that one. Um, glad you're all right. Um, He's still my favourite, Jordy. Mr. Steve Gibbs-Dixon was with us. Evening, Steve. Evening, fellas. You all right? Yeah, we're all good. All good, thanks. Yeah. And to me, a, f- a fabulous five. Um, special guest for the evening. Um, he's been on a few times. You'll know his voice. Um, Mr. Craig Johns from the Evening Gazette. Evening, Craig. Evening, Steve. Evening, gents. Nice to see you all. And you. Okay, yeah, and right. you. Yes, not bad, mate. Glad January's out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it being quite a stressful month for you. Um, obviously, with all the writing you've got to do, but um, we'll, we'll, have, we'll keep them stories. We're going to have a chat about that because, um, obviously, as Craig's rightly said, uh, January's gone. Um, the worst month of the year is gone. Um, wasn't for Borough, it was a good month, um, apart from Derby Day, but we don't talk about that. Um, but yes, we're into February now. Uh, Squads are complete, squads are finalised. All This is all we've got until May now, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, first, we'll talk about Blackpool. Um, what a massive performance that was. How good was that? Um, obviously, we've had a lot of positive things come from you people listening. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about your worst 11. Remember I said last week, sending your worst 11 in the last 10, 10 15 years. This could get really funny, to be quite honest, because some of the names I've had come through. Yeah, you'll have a good giggle. And uh, well, then we'll preview the uh, the trip abroad, the trip to Wales, to Cardiff. Um, happy memories going to Cardiff, as we, we've all got. So, yeah, looking forward to that. So, before we start, are we all all right? Spot on. Brilliant, thank you. Thank you. Spot on. Right. JD, Blackpool, Saturday. The one talking point was obviously the team, because um, obviously we, you know, he usually keeps it unchanged, and he did again. But this time he had a bit of a decision to make: does he bring Fry Bracket back in? Who does he take out? But he left it completely unchanged and left Fry on the bench. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I was a little. I did expect Dale Fry to come back in, but I can fully understand why he kept it the same. I mean, it was a fantastic um, performance. Um, uh, against Watford and, you know, great all-round team performance. Um, Paddy McNair played his part in that, looked comfortable. So probably Michael Carrick's thinking, yeah, you uh, lads done the business for me, so I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to change things because um, you, you keep your shirt. So John Cutler's always said that, you know, that um, if a player... Deserves the shirt. Uh, he keeps it, and 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 Michael Carrick was obviously the same opinion. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm going to cut the cuts next anyway because he did say keep the team the same. 
and he was absolutely right. So I imagine two o'clock came, cuts, and you saw the team, and there was no shock. No, I wasn't shocked. Obviously, yeah, Michael Carrick's a big fan of our podcast, so he had a listen last week, and he agrees with me. (laughs) (laughs) Starts you in to go on. Well done. (laughs) Uh, Craig, welcome. Uh, Pleasure having you back on, as always. Um, Obviously, you know, we spoke previously about how, how Carrick likes to keep a steady ship and keeps it unchanged, but I imagine you boys in the press box must have thought, well, you know, the Berwick Hills Beckenbauer was coming straight back in, surely. <laughs> Evening, lads. Yeah, I mean, that, like you said, that was the one big decision, really, for the team, wasn't it? Would Fry come back in? Would, would McNasty in the team? And, um, yeah, I, I did. I expected Fry to come back in just because I think, you know, it's been pretty clear since Carrick came in that Lenehan and Fry have been his, his two men at the back. And and largely, I think they've done very, very well. But I think, you know, both John's made the, the, the good point. And the reason why he didn't is that, to be fair to McNair, he, he earned the shirt and he earned the right to be there. He, he obviously, you know, it was, it was a tough game. I think we can, you know, rule the Brighton game out that he first came in for when Lenehan got injured. But... Mm. Uh, after that, he was very good in a difficult game against Millwall. And then um, last weekend against Watford, um, really good again. And I think it's it's interesting looking ahead as well now that you've got three centre-backs there who all have slightly different qualities. And I think McNair made sense to me on Saturday because he's a ball-playing centre-back. He's good at playing the ball out. And you always had the feeling with a Blackpool team, Mick McCarthy in charge, coming to the Riverside with Borough in such good form, they were going to play the way that they did. Sit behind, look to be compact, look to frustrate Borough. And so when that's the case, you want you want to play a high tempo and you want to make them move about a bit. And, and McNair's, you know, can play his part in doing that probably a bit better than what Dale Fry can. I think there'll be games in, in you know ahead where actually Dale Fry's qualities and you know his his natural dominance, his aerial ability will make him more suited to being in the team. Um they're they're the kind of dilemmas that Michael Carrick's gonna have going forward, but but obviously the good dilemmas, aren't they? You want you'd rather have that where you're thinking, God, does he play this one or that one? They're both good enough than who on earth are we going to put here? Because we've got nobody. So, yeah, good, good, good dilemmas to have. But I can definitely understand and think it was warranted that uh, that McNair kept his place on Saturday. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah you, right. you, you do. You you want you want uh, players uh, who aren't in the starting eleven to want to get back in. You know, so during the during the week in training, um, they, they're gonna they're gonna push themselves. They're gonna try to impress. Um, it, it's only healthy. It's it's a only only a healthy situation for the manager to have, where he's got his eleven and then half a dozen um, on the bench who are desperate to get into uh, into the team. Well, that, well, that's it. I mean, you know, competition for places is always good. You know, and, and quality in them positions as well. You say we've if a player does come out of the team as as we've obviously experienced with Fry, we've got someone that can reliably go in like me there. Um, it's it happens all around the pitch. I mean, look at the players that can bring off the bench now. You know, I mean, just look at Saturday. I mean, Isaiah Jones came on on the on the pitch. Obviously, Barley's is now in the squad. Uh, Moet's still here. You know, there's players all around the pitch that can come into the squad. But um, Steve, I'll come to you. Um, were you, were you happy that Stefan kept his place? 
obviously he's the best goalkeeper in the league, like I keep telling you all. <laughs> as I have done all season, one day he's a listen to us. Um but but uh, regarding Dale Fry, I have to say me and Cuts had a bit of chat with it last week on the podcast. Um mm-hmm. and I you know, fair play to Cuts, he called it. I was really surprised that Dale Fry didn't come back in. Just just for the, the reasons I gave last week, which was I think he's the best centre half in the league. And secondly, you know, at Sunderland, McNair didn't have the best of games. And, you know, I just thought he had a good game against Watford, but there's one good performance. Warren taking the best centre-half in the league out, who's been good all season. So I was massively surprised, but I shouldn't have been because, um, you know, Michael Carrick's done this all season, where he's made decisions that you can you look at it and you, you question it sometimes beforehand. I remember we had this discussion about Matt Crooks playing up front and that needs to stop. And then he goes and has a great game against Birmingham, scores two goals. There was the decision to take Isaiah Jones out of the team, which again, I thought was a big decision because Isaiah Jones has been one of our best players over the last 18 months. They put Marcus Force on the right wing when I thought he was doing very well through the middle. But every decision he's made, including Saturday, to take Dale Fry out and, and put Paddy McNair in, They've all come off from. They've all worked. Um, he's, there's nothing better than having a lucky manager or a good manager. I think they're the same thing. Uh, it was a, you know, it was a really good decision. And like uh, Craig said, you obviously wanted more of a ball playing centre back against Blackpool, and that surprised me as well because I thought Blackpool were going to come really direct. I expected Gary Medine to start up front for them, who was a right handful, big thuggish old-fashioned centre-forward. As it happens, he's, he was on the bench and he'd come on in the second half. But I fully expected Gary Medine to start. And I thought Dale Fry would have been matched up against him because of his height and his aerial power. But again, fair play to Michael Carrick. He got it absolutely spot on. You're right, You're right, Steve, because um, he's, he's, not, he's not afraid to make big calls. And up to now... The big cause he's made, he's got spot on. So, you know, we, we, we can't knock him. We, we, it, it just seems to be getting everything right at the moment. Absolutely. I think, one, I think one of the big points is, if you look, you've already mentioned there about the squad on Saturday. So we didn't have uh, Ramsey and Muniz, weren't even on the bench. So it's about, he's, he's thinking as well, he's got to keep the squad happy. So if he's making changes, like I keep saying, players are coming in and playing well. And then they lose the place. Them players that are on the bench and aren't even in the 18, they're going to be wondering, I'm just wasting my time here. There's no point me even... I know that we're the professionals, but we've seen players not play so well in the past. They're all going to know now, every player in that squad, if they get a chance in the first team and they go and perform, they'll be playing the week after. And I think it, I've always felt it's the way forward since I've been watching football as a kid. And I'm glad Carrick's doing it. I, I, I get that, but I have to say, the other side of the argument is, Dale Fry's been bloody good for us lately. And he's a he's a Middlesbrough lad. He's one of the best centre halves in the league. And he got sent off at Sunderland. So he couldn't play against Watford. And and you know, fair enough. He had a, he had he had one good game, Paddy McNair against Watford. That's still a huge call to then say, because you've missed one game through suspension, I'm not putting you back in against Blackpool. That's a really huge call. And let's be honest, each and every one of us sitting here now, had we got beat on Saturday, or, or, or a poor draw against Blackpool on Saturday, we would have questioned that decision. Yeah. Possibly, I, yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. I, well, 
you know, I'd have probably blamed Cuts to be fair. So, you know, um, <laughs> well, it's a, it's a good job Cuts and Carrick are on the same page, isn't it? <laughs> well, like, like John said, though, credit to, credit to Michael Carrick because, like I said, and John said, all the big calls he's made this season, he's mm. generally got spot on. So, long may it continue. Absolutely, he's um, yeah, he's, he's he's making this management game look a bit easier at the moment, isn't he? Um, obviously, we go in the game, JJ. The goal came, and f- for me, watch obviously watching the game. It was just a matter of time. We looked in control without, you know, doing a lot. I wouldn't say too much because we, you know, we had a couple of chances. But when the goal came, the goal was still coming, wasn't it? And the bit of quality that Chuba Chuba showed, his confidence is ridiculous now. I mean, the the boy's a new, I wouldn't say a new man, but it's just a new player. He's just he's completely changed. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, and at the moment, uh, opposition teams are just finding him unplayable at times. Um, I mean, but yeah, you're right, the goal uh, was reflective of um, of league positions, really. We were third in the league, they were second bottom, and it looked it looked that way uh, from from kickoff, you know, we, we were the we were the dominant team. Um, we were pushing them back. Uh, and the goal itself was that it was a, a superb finish. You know, um, we, we win the ball. We play it to Archer. Archer knocks it back to um, Hackney, who, who finds who finds trouble. He, he's he's fairly deep. You know, I mean, Archer's playing ahead of him. Um, he takes it in the box. He does a couple of um, sort of shimmies, and then bends it uh, into the far corner. Great, great finish. Great skill. Um, I didn't know he had that in his locker. I'll be honest with you. He, he's pulling out. Uh, he's pulling out things that I never expected from him. Like you say, he's 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 growing game by game. Well, that's that's it. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I didn't know you could, without being disrespectful to to Wackpom, I, I didn't know that was part of his his skill set. I thought he was just you know your good old fashioned number nine likes to score a goal, gets in the right position. But God, I mean. What's the finish? I mean, I've watched it back. I watched it back a couple of times. To be fair, even the angle where the camera is, it's still outside the post, isn't it? He's he's got a lot of work to do with the ball to angle that back in, and the keeper just looked like he had no chance getting the ball completely. Biggest compliment I'll pay him for that goal. There's not a goalkeeper in the whole world that would have saved that. It was an absolute worldie. Great finish. Great feet to get it onto his right foot because the defender was trying to show him onto his left. It was it was world class. That finish was world class. It was. I mean, it's just it was it was unbelievable. That's and and the best part, it wasn't even the best goal of the game because I'll come up to the second now, Steve. You know, I'll come to you because obviously it starts with um, you know you you know your number one man uh, <laughs> at the back. Um, the goal's been played through various obviously platforms. Obviously, you've shared it yourself. Um, I think Skybet's put a form of it out. EFL's put a form of it out because it was eleven passes, but it start goes from back to front, and it shows that's how you play the ball out perfectly. And the the little bit of play between McGree and Akpom to finish the goal, it, it was just it just signs it off perfectly. That's a Michael Carrick way, isn't it? That's that's the way he wants to play, and 
anybody that wants to know how Middlesbrough want to play with Michael Carrick now can see it. it as I say, it starts at the back. That's what we do. The centre-half split. Can step and give a good ball in the midfield, which he did. And then from then on, it's just quality football, quick passing, great movement. And let's be honest, a touch of world-class from McGree. His, his play was fantastic. The little nutmeg through to, to Tuba, who's on it. He knows what he's going to do. That's the other thing. Not only was McGree quick with a nutmeg, Tuba knows he's going to nutmeg him and he's on it in the flash. It's in the back of the net. It's, a, it, it's, it's got to be our best goal of the season so far. And I don't say that lightly because we have scored some fantastic goals this season, like McGree's at Norwich. And, you know, Tuba's first goal, which for, for the older listener, <laughs> maybe he's John. <laughs> <laughs> was reminiscent of um, Stuart Ripley type goal you know you don't expect the centre forward to do that I remember Ripley scoring a, a similar goal against Peterborough in the quarter final of the League Cup back at Ayrson Park many moons ago and it was you know we've scored some fantastic goals this season but th- that'll take some beating uh, for go- to, you know for, to be better this season for a goal it had everything everything movement passing guile a nutmeg in a finish, what you know? Let's be honest; it's it's pure it, football. It did, it, it did. We were patient, you know. Fair enough. I don't think there was a, a great deal of um, uh, pressure from from any Blackpool players. They let us have the ball, uh, and then all of a sudden, when it went into McGree, he was quick to move it on, get the one-two, take it at the box, and um, and like you say, a delicious, a filthy ball to uh, to Akpom. Um, yeah. Absolutely fantastic, uh, fantastic goal. Uh, and then then the, the chicken celebrations, I don't know what that's all about, but uh, the chicken celebrations in the North Sand, superb. There was a couple of things about the goal that I really enjoyed. Like, you used the word filthy. Uh, on a similar note, absolute porn, that ball. It was amazing. <laughs> it, it, honestly, it, as good as that first goal was on the eye, for me, the second, that ball from McGree, was amazing. And the other thing that I loved about it is when they ran into the corner, Tuba's pointing at McGree. The team spirit in that squad at the moment is absolutely through the roof. The confidence is sky high. Everything about it's great to watch. A few uh, years have mentioned him as well, but since the World Cup, how good has Riley McGree been, by the way? Okay. He's come back so confident and just he just wants to be involved in everything now. He, I love watching him at the moment. Yeah, Craig, we not, said uh, we. Go on, John. Sorry, John. Yeah, I'm just going to say, Craig. We we said um, that there might have been a, a situation that um, Riley McGree was maybe just holding back slightly so that he didn't get himself injured or or, or anything. So he missed the World Cup. So there might have been a little bit of uh, a, a bit of him holding himself back. But now the World Cup's gone out of the way. We're seeing the best of him, aren't we? Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's easy to forget. He's only twenty-three as well. I think he's looking increasingly like such a good signing, and the you know the the type of signing that this club wants to you know make going forward now because they're you know that kind of future potential sell-on value and all that improving at the club, growing at the club, and being an asset. But yeah, twenty-three-year-old, and he's just growing in belief all the time. I think when you think back to the start of the season as well, Wilder was obviously Chris Wilder was playing him in that kind of number 10 role almost like the second striker wasn't he in the in the 352 and 
it wasn't necessarily McGree personally, but it just didn't really look like it suited. Middlesbrough just didn't really have the same kind of you know quality in the final third and the same presence in the final third that they had when they had two natural strikers last season. And, you know, he, he did, he was struggling in that. And I think it impacted or affected his confidence. And then I think you see, you know, slowly under Carrick. And again, it's another one. I think it, it goes, it, it probably among the kind of changes like the Tuberac-Pom change, I think it, it, it Riley McGrees gets a bit more unnoticed. But to put him out in that kind of left forward position, but it... He is and he isn't because he's just so fluid. I mean, when you see where he picks up the ball for that second goal, he's pretty much right wing at that point. He's uh, it's such a fluid role where he's basically just being given the freedom to, to you know float around the final third and get the ball wherever he needs to get the ball. And and you can understand when you see him make passes like that that one as uh, filth and pawn as it's being described. Why he's being given that um, that role because he he is brilliant on the ball and he can make things happen. And, and by the way, I don't think that was the only pawn he was involved with on Saturday either, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Finger yeah. in the celebration. We, yeah, I think we know what you're referring to, Craig. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you one thing I'll say about him as well. We're, we're mentioning how good he is on the ball. He can play a pass. He's got some engine on him, him, Riley McGree. I'd love to see the yards covered from the players in our squad. And I bet he's right at the top every single week. He's up and don't down the pitch constantly. Don't forget as well, before he came to Middlesbrough, obviously there's a huge link with Ange Postacoglu at Celtic. Who's, a, who's, who's got some diamonds up the road to Celtic. And, you know, the way Celtic play, he would have fit the Celtic way, just the way he fits the Middlesbrough way of playing. And they were hugely disappointed not to get him Celtic. And we can see why now. Uh, he's an absolute quality player to be playing in the Championship. He's one of the players that you would tick off for Middlesbrough squad if we did actually make it to the promised land of the Premier League, I think we could safely tick him off and say he's good enough to play in the Premier League. Oh, gotcha. Oh, gotcha. I mean, I, I, for me, he proved that at the World Cup. I, I know it's a step up in quality, but he, he didn't look out of place in the World Cup in the, you know, in the big games for Australia. I thought he's brought, like 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 Craig has said there, he's brought his performances back um, from Qatar, obviously to back to the, uh, the Championship and yeah, he looks a, he looks a class above in the midfield as well, and I don't think there's been many midfields at the moment that can deal with him. So he's a massive asset to have. And uh, if you haven't seen the picture, by the way, just think of Porky Bum. Just, just think of that. Oh. That's all. That's all you got to think of. Tell you something else you've got to recognise with him. This is really his first stint at the level we're playing at. He's played like it's not a criticism of Australian football because. You know, it is what it is. He's played there. He had a little loan spell at Birmingham, but a regular spell at playing at this standard and he's shining like this. It's really only, what, what's he been, a year and a half, something like that? He's only going to get better, that lad, I tell you. He's got some ability. And like Craig mentioned earlier, I was going to mention it, he's exactly the model that this club's trying to implement. And we talked about it last week. We want players that are going to come in and if the users is a stepping stone, they've got to play well and earn us big money. So he's certainly, he's worth more than the £2 million we paid for him now, isn't he, lads? Definitely, yeah. 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 I don't know why I'm nodding, because no one can see me nod, but yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm practising for our paternity YouTube, which is coming, by the way, for people listening. You, you will see our shiny faces once again. And um, yeah, we'll show you what John Cutler's bedroom looks like as well. 
So and that is porn and filth. Yeah, porn <laughs> and filth. <laughs> Uh, that's a different, that's a completely different podcast to, um, to start off. But right, get back on track. JJ, third goal. Obviously, the lads were saying, you know, you know, they'd have kept him. McNair, he's earned the shirt. He's he's done really well. And of course, he signed he signed the game off with the third goal, didn't he? Obviously, the ball whipped in, headed onto the back post, and he pos- he positioned himself really well, and and finished the ball really well. And I suppose. Finish Black Blackpool off completely because after that they look completely de- defeated. I know because they had chances at two 0 still, but three 0 they were gone. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and and it's obviously something that um, has been practiced on the training ground from from a corner because we had one in the first half, didn't we? Where Lenahan won it, uh, hit the bar, um, and it bounced off Paddy McNair, didn't go in. Um, this one similar uh, from Giles to Lenahan towards the, the the far far post, yeah. and uh, Paddy was ahead of his man, just tapped it in. Uh, so it's obviously something that's been practiced, um, and it, it's paid off, and it, it, it's good to see because you know we're not renowned from scoring from set pieces, are we? You know we haven't been anyway. Uh, so yeah, that that, that third goal, um, you could see Paddy's. The grin on his face, he, he was over the moon, wasn't he? You know, it's, a, it's, it's been a difficult season for him so far, but he's got himself back in the team. And you know what? It seems like he's determined to stay there. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, like you said there, I think that was probably the best part of it for me, seeing his celebration and the delight on his face and, and how happy he was to, you know... I mean, we've been guilty of it on here, you know, saying, you know, he's not... At the level he was last season, you know, whatever may reasons may be, we don't know. But you know, we've we've all dealt with him a little bit, I suppose. But he's come back in; he's been absolutely superb, and uh, you know, he finished off the performance really well on Saturday. Um, Craig, obviously, you know, to get the press box's view on it, you know, I imagine you know because I know Don was there as well. I imagine you probably saw Don on Saturday as well. Um, I imagine the press box was all in, I suppose, in harmony. That was a perfect Borough performance, wasn't it? Was yeah, it was. It was very good. It's what you want, isn't it? And what what Carrick strives for that kind of control of a match and and always feeling quite comfortable. I think they showed the character as well. I think I think mentioned in the two goals and and you know the timing of them. I wrote a bit about how the timing of the goals were important as well because you know they started the match so well and they were in control, but with a few injuries and Blackpool's trying to stop the game and slow it down like they were, you just, I got the sense that just before the goal came, they were starting to lose a bit of that early momentum. And then Akpom comes up with the moment of brilliance um, and, and it's 1-0. And then, you know, again, come out second half, Blackpool are out noticeably very early in comparison to Borough. Um, so I can only imagine what uh, what big mix said to them at half time. But, um, but yeah, whatever he said, it worked because they, they had one disallowed in there for offside just after the restart. Yeah. Um, just before Borough then scored, they also had um, Yates, Yates hit the bar, didn't he, with his header. And then and then Akpom pops up with with the second goal. So I think in particular the first two goals, you know, important goals at important times as well. Which it showed the, the you know the spirit within the group. I think because the 
you know, they, they, they probably felt those moments in the game themselves and reacted well to it, uh, which I think is important. And uh, yeah, like you say, it was it was exactly what you wanted because before the game, we were talking, me and Dom, actually, about the fact that it, it could have been a potentially tricky game for them, that one, because you, as I say, you did expect Blackpool to come and play in the way they did in terms of, you know, being compact and, and trying to slow the game down and frustrate Borough. And within that, because there would have also that kind of expectation around the game because of, you know, where the two sides were in the league, it had the potential of being a tricky afternoon. So I think in the way that they handled it in terms of the the calmness and the composure, uh, which filters right down from Michael Carrick. I mean, that, that those two words, some Michael Carrick up to a T, uh, I think they handled it perfectly. No, they did. I mean, you know, like you said in your report, you know, I, I, first thing I couldn't believe it was fifty years since a league double over Blackpool. I mean, that was <laughs> straight away. I was like, Jesus Christ, was it that long? But I mean, I'm just looking through the ratings of the play, you know what you've given the players, and it's not often you can go through. I mean, it must have been pretty firstly pretty easy for you to write the report. I mean, because it wrote itself. You know how well we played, how dominant we were at times, and it's like you said, there the times of the goals, but. You know, for four players to come up with eight out of tens, that's that's a pretty special performance because it shows the graph that we put in and how together the performance was, doesn't it? Yeah, one one hundred percent. It was it was hard. You know, there wasn't anything you could really mark any of the starters down for, and uh, you know, even you know, it was probably harsh. Only given um, Bar Lassa Barlis, I'm still not sure how we're pronouncing that, but uh, you know, only given him a six because I thought he did well when he came off the bench as well. But I yeah. I was kind of thinking to myself, was was giving him a seven a bit, you know, overkill, uh, a bit too much. But it's probably harsh only giving him a six, to be fair. And and, and Isaiah Jones, I thought he looked lively again when he came off the bench, which was really nice to see. You know, no secret that he's had his confidence issues. And, you know, shout out to every Middlesbrough fan for that, because I thought one of the, you know, one of the things that I took away from the game that really pleased me was hearing fans sing his song when he came on. Because, as I say, he is lacking confidence at the moment. He's, he's obviously come out, is it the last three, last four games he's missed now? Uh, one of them completely taken out of the squad altogether. And uh, to hear the Borough fans, you know, get behind him and sing that song as he came on, that for me, like that summed up the fan base that Middlesbrough are. That was that was a really, really lovely moment. I love that on Saturday. Yeah, I did as well. It was, um, like you said, uh, you know, we've, we've as, as fans, I mean, the, the lads will say, you know, we've complained about, you know, how at times the clubs felt so far apart from the fan base. But I feel like we've just all come together at the right time. And I think, you know, things are things are moving in the right direction. You know, everybody talks about being on the same wavelength, but I really do feel all the way down now, we've all got the same, I suppose, I know we've all got the same aim, we've all set the same goal, but we all want to do it in the same way. And it just, you know, everything just lines up properly now. And it's, it's really good. But, um, one thing I didn't see, who did you give man of the match to, Craig? It, it was a tricky one, that, because, mm. as you say, I didn't actually state in it. I just gave no. four rates and didn't actually state. I'd, I'd kind of, I guess, act Pomfrey's two goals. I mean, me and Dom kind of, between us, debated, did he deserve a nine? I felt maybe that was a bit overkill, because then I don't really, I think I've given three nines in the all uh, time doing it for the Gazette. Mm. Um yeah, I, I, I guess for his two goals, Akpom probably does just 
step up above the rest. But I think as well, I'd struggle not to, to mention Riley McGree as well, because I think McGree was just uh, you know so positive and and you know, the the pass for the second goal, which we said was such an important time. But you know just his overall influence and in wanting to get involved and, and make things happen all the time and his energy. Um, it would have to be between those two, I think. Yeah, definitely. JJ, you're coming to you. You man of the match for Saturday. Um, Craig's mentioned two players who shone, um, and the, and the, there were others. Uh, but I thought uh, I thought Lenahan was was outstanding, not just for what he done um, in his defending role, but his general leadership. We've been crying out, you know. Uh, for a, a, a proper a, a proper leader, um, we we all know Dale Fry isn't that sort of centre half. You know he's 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 a great centre half, but he, he's not a shouter. Lenahan on Saturday was was pulling people in, into place, keeping the shape right. Plus he had a a, a good game. You know he he, um, he was winning most of his uh, aerial duels. Good on the ball, giving options to uh, to Stefan when Stefan had the ball. So uh, I, I put on Twitter that uh, I thought he was fantastic. He was my man of the match. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I remember reading about that. Um, so it wasn't really a shock when he said Lenahan, and you were exactly going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Steve, come to you, man of the match. He's a stole me thunder, really, and I agree with all of what you have said. Uh, last week I mentioned on the podcast about. I think moving forward, Middlesbrough might be a better side um, by taking Tommy Smith out uh, for Dykesdale, just because of the way we play. But I have to be honest, I thought Tommy Smith was outstanding on Saturday as well. Some great tackles, getting forward. He was everything you want to see in a Middlesbrough player, 110%. So I'd, I'd like to give him a mention as well. Uh, Lenehan, like John said, leadership qualities, absolutely, you know, like you say, pulling people around, shouting, just what you want to see, old school type performance, really good. And McGree, I mean, I posted on Twitter, we man the match was at POM and mentioned a few other sort of uh, honourable mentions. And then people are coming, what about this one? What about that one? What about him? I said, well, it's an honourable mention. I can't mention all 11. <laughs> so, you know, you can't mention everybody. So, but but it, that, that's, that's how good the performance was. Mm-hmm. You literally had probably three, four, five people that you could actually put forward for man of the match. That's how good a performance it was. But if I was pushed, like like Craig said, I'd have to go by Tuba for his, his two quality goals. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Coach? John stole my thunder. Lenehan, first half. It's unbelievable. Whenever he had a, he made a clearance at the back post. And I think he's, I don't think he's underrated by the fans, but he doesn't get talked about like what he should be. Like, no disrespect to Fry, he's the local lad. People talk about him all the time. Lenehan has been at least as good as Dale since Carrick came in. And do you know who he reminds me of? My all-time favourite Borough player, Tony Mowbray. He'll put his head on the ball, his body on the line. He's exactly what you want in a centre-half for me. I think he's been outstanding under Carrick. And he's, for me, he was man the match Saturday. No, he, he again, I, I think, again, under Carrick, you're right, um... We, we've got a settled a settled shape now. Um, un, under Wilder, I didn't think Lenahan uh, looked anything special. Um, 
in fact, when he came to us, I was excited because he was Blackburn's player of the year. Their fans raved about him, um, bemoaning the loss uh, that he came to us. But he just, I don't know, he, he, I think that was, in general, uh, under Wilder, we didn't seem to have um, a settled defence. Mm. And, and Lenahan struggled. Fry struggled, but then again, Wilder wasn't Fry's biggest fan. But yeah, since since Carrick has, has gone back to a flat back four and been fairly um, steady with his with his team selection, Lenahan has been has been outstanding. Um, and if he continues that level of performance for the rest of the season, um, I might just give him a big sloppy kiss at the end of it. If, if I tell you what, if, if Housen's not here next season... Getting back to I filth think, again, uh, boys. <laughs> if if Housen's not here next season, I think we already know the skipper's going to be. Like John said, his leadership qualities, putting his body on the line, leading by example. I, th- I think he's the perfect candidate to take over from Johnny as captain if he's not here next year. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I love the mix of players we've all picked. It's... Um... Yeah, it shows how good the performance was on Saturday, and um, yeah, it was. It, it, you know, I see the crowd buzzing after the game, and you know, every everybody's excited by what's coming. Um, you know, I don't think we peaked yet. I think we're only going to get better. So, yeah, it's a lot of exciting times coming. And um, oh, oh, just yours then, Steve. Mine was Chubrakpom. I thought Chubba was brilliant. Right. I thought it was absolutely okay. superb. Um, it's two goals which well took. Obviously, the build-up for the second was really good. But his intelligence in his players, while it's not just, you know, he moves well with the other three, with Force and R2 and McGree, they all move around such... I suppose it's it's like poetry in motion. It's, you know, they don't get in each other's way. There's not two of them making the same run. You know, they all know the jobs. They all know what they're doing. And, yeah, it's just... There's a play you mentioned there, Force. Another good game, another yeah. great game, work rate, um, you know, playing playing along the line. Another great performance for him. And, you know, to think when, when he was signed, um, you know, with, with Hoppy, mm. uh, Wilder was... You know, I didn't fancy him because obviously, as we know now, he wanted other players to come in. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, Marcus Force, fair play to him. He, he, he's he's another young lad, and he's looking he's looking value for money. He's looking really really good. And can I just mention the crowd as well? Twenty six thousand three hundred yeah. just seems to be creeping up week after week. Atmosphere is great. Fair play to. Um, Blackpool fans, I thought they brought a good number and they were very vocal. It helped to the atmosphere. It was, um, it, it, it's a great attendance for, you know, a, a small town. It's a great attendance. It's superb. I mean, you know, you can't even say that, you know, Blackpool boosted the number. I, what what Blackpool brought was, you know, they brought noise and they did bring a couple of, uh, you know, a good, decent amount of fans of them. But for me, there was still... You know, when you when you take the numbers out, there's still twenty five thousand Borough fans out on Saturday, and it's not often we could have said that a few years ago. You know, it's very rare we we peaked over twenty thousand. So, 
you know, the crowd's brilliant, and and especially the times we've got at the you know the moment, you know, things are really hard for people up in Teesside, and it's 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 mega. I mean, which leads me on perfectly. Before I obviously I'll come out the Craig and which round up the chancer window. Um, JJ, I'll come back to you. Obviously, what I saw and another massive turnout for the um for the food bank on Saturday. A lot of um a lot of donations coming in, a lot of cash donations, food donations. They say even Michael Carrick's um, foundation got some um, some good gifts as well. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think the foundation uh, appeal for boots and clothing. I don't know, I don't know what they expected, um, but they 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 only brought a a, a, a a box as such to put the boots in, but that was filled up quickly. It it it, it overfilled. Um, and just like the, the food bank donations, it was quiet up until about 1.30 and then it just it, it just built and built. Um, so I know that the collection for the, um, the Michael Carrick Foundation went really well, as did the food bank collection. I understand people aren't going to, not many people are going to bring bags of food to the game. You know, mm. it's just not something you want to do if you stood in the pub with your mates. So, so we got we got plenty of food donations, and I would say uh, the figures will be out later on in the week. But I would say we were um, we, we were on a par with previous collections. But as for money going in the donation buckets, that was that was amazing. Honestly, people were coming up and apologising. I've got any tins. I'm sorry, but there's a fiver, there's a tenner, and I'm thinking that buys loads. That the food bank with all that money. I'll be able to do deals and stock up exactly what they need. And it overwhelms me sometimes, the, the generosity of, um, of, of, of the Teesside, Teesside folk. You know, you, you, can, you, you can see, I mean, from, from young kids, maybe he's putting the pocket money in or what, what the parents are giving them a couple of quid to old age pensioners, you know, like putting £20 in to help, to help their fellow Teesside folk. And Blackpool fans were coming and donating as well. It was really good, really heartwarming. I love to do it. So many nice people to speak to. Um, it, 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 it just, it, it's really, really a, a heartwarming, um, heartwarming afternoon when we do things like that. No, you're an absolute credit, John. You and the people that run it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's one of the many reasons I love Teesside. We, we, we help our own and we always have and we always will. Um, yeah, mega, mega effort and um, massive part on the back for you, JD, for, for obviously for for standing there and taking all the donations and helping out with um, with Mark and the the gang that's um, helped obviously collect everything in. So, well, massive well done. Um, right, transfer window. Obviously, that slammed shut last Tuesday. Um, Craig, I'll come to you. Obviously, you did a write up for to you know to sum it up um, the month. Obviously, three came in. You know, we we previously stated, you know, it's not about the amount of people that come in, it's the quality that come in. And the three we brought in, I know a few went out on loan, which, you know, and um, Caelan Boyd Munts obviously had his contract terminated, you know, all the best to the young man. Um, a lot of youngsters went out on loan, but the three that came in, they were, they were exactly what we needed. We needed a, a goal scorer. We needed someone that was going to fill the void when house and, you know, flies in a tackle or two, which you know he loves doing. Um, and 
obviously it's a bit of a surprise one was obviously Aaron Ramsey, but that that was simply because Duncan Watmore was on his way out and by the sounds it had been going for a little bit. But three mega signings and, and top quality signs for this league. Yeah, I think ultimately what what happened during the window is Borough had a clear plan and, and, and they stuck to it really. They they were calm and composed and you know if um if they hadn't managed to get Barlisa this month they were ready to get him in the summer and, and they wouldn't have panicked that have that have just waited and, and you know not signed somebody else for the sake of signing somebody else. Barlisa was the man they wanted and 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 had rather than not come back to the table they would have just waited as I say very much matching with the man they have as head coach now they were they were calm they knew what they wanted they were clear and they were concise and and they got the business done I think they were always in a good position really where Barlias had wanted to come he's running his Rotherham contract down as as important as he was to them and if they could get a replacement you always felt that you know they they would ultimately try and sell this month because the alternative is is losing him for nothing in the summer so you know, they just went about it in a good way. And I think, you know, as you see, they've signed three players there who, for me, can all, all three, well, obviously Cameron Archer already has. Um, and, you know, not not for man of the match on Saturday, but when we're mentioning all the players kind of for prayers from the weekend, not just the weekend, but his two starts overall, I think Cameron Archer's completely transformed that Borough attack. It, it, it looks, I mean, it was fluid anyway, but I think, Adding his movement, adding his pace, adding his desire to want to stretch defences by running in behind. I think it's just completely transformed. I mean, there was a moment in the first half when it was still nil-nil, and he was he, he went shoulder to shoulder, didn't he? Uh, 50-50 with Charlie Good, who who looked twice the size of him, and he knocked him on his backside and ran through and ended up teeing McGree up. He missed the chance in the end, but he, he obviously the goal against Watford, he did similar there and knocked the central defender over. He he isn't a big looking lad, but he's clearly as fast as he is, and uh, he, he's up for the battle as well, which I think looks excellent. Um, he's he's not afraid to go shoulder to shoulder and put someone on the backside, uh, so that looks really positive. And I remember seeing Aaron Ramsey. Um, it was his last game for Norwich against Borough before the World yeah. Cup, and particularly early on when Borough had to you know weather a bit of a storm in that one, he, he was really kind of bright and. Um, direct and positive, which, as you see, really that was, it's it's a bit of a sticky plaster, if you like, um, because they had a chance to to get Duncan Watmore out, um, and, and obviously Duncan's been a, a great servant of the club. There's probably no one more than me um, associated with Middlesbrough who likes Duncan Watmore, um, but he was out of contract at the end of the season. The club are moving in a direction where. Really, they want to be looking at better now. So, Duncan Watmore probably likely and to leave and not get a new contract. They had an opportunity to move him on this month, um, you know, receive a fee rather than lose him for nothing. So, so bringing Aaron Ramsey in ultimately just, you know, that sticky plaster to cover that space in the squad. Um, so they they were able to do that business with Duncan Watmore. Um, yeah, so I think just a, a really, you know, clear, concise and clever month from Borough where they've ultimately strengthened their options in, in areas they needed to. I, I mentioned in one of my pieces, I think if you'd have asked a lot of Middlesbrough fans what they felt the team lacked or, or potentially needed, I think that many would have said creativity in midfield, which Barlisa brings, and, and then Pierce as well in the attack. 
and obviously Ramsey and uh, Archer both bring that as well. Um, so I think re- really shrewd signings. I think the only like downside, the only kind of red red flag, if you like, I don't know what you want to call it, but is the fact that with two loanies, that's now six that Burr have got. Um, and, and obviously all that means is that when it comes to the summer, you're potentially going to need a bigger rebuild again when effectively the club want more transfer windows like January, where they're just needing to have a bit of a touch-up every now and then, adding a bit of quality, two or three sign-ins to touch, uh, touch up what you've already got. In the summer, it might need to still be a little bit more than that because, as I say, six loanies, quite a few players out of contract as well. Um, but but it's a, it's a building process. Obviously, Kieran Scott's come in um, last summer, the summer, well, the summer before last, and he was working with a very disjointed squad to start off with. So he's he's having to slowly build it into a position that he would he would ideally ideally want. And and you know, as we all know now, this transfer window, this January window, really has been the first one since Kieran Scott arrived, where. He's been working in tandem with the head coach as well. We we know that wasn't the case in his uh, his previous two transfer windows now. Um, so yeah, positive signs from that. I think. I mean, you Craig, seen, uh, can I just ask? Sorry, oh. Craig. I was just going to ask when when will um, Archer be? Uh, sorry, uh, Ramsey be match fit. So character, he, he, he's quite shrewd on on injuries and, and stuff. Character, he doesn't give much away in that regard. But um, it, so the way I was described to me is he returned to training for Aston Villa on the morning of deadline day, and did did a session then, and that essentially, you know, proved to Borough that he was ready to come in. Uh, he, he wouldn't be out too long, and um, Carrick basically said he'd done a done a couple of sessions. I think he said last week, and not quite ready to join the group, but it would be. He kind of spoke as though it would be days rather than weeks that he potentially. So hopefully this week he's maybe been able to join in with a session or two, uh, with the full group. But uh, it was kind of, it was kind of put to me when he first joined was that they wouldn't rush him back. They didn't need to rush him back because obviously. They've got the options there. McGree's playing so well, which I think is the role in the team that's probably earmarked for Ramsey in terms of where he'd compete, that that kind of fluid uh, role that McGree's currently got. So because of how well, as we've spoken about, that McGree's doing, there's not a, a kind of major need to rush him back. Um, but but it certainly doesn't sound like he's he's out for long long at all. Oh, good. Cheers. Um just one thing I want to obviously pick up on you were saying there about um, Barlaser. Obviously, Rotherham came back to the table, you know, which we all thought they would. You know, getting towards the end of the window, we were we weren't budging. We were saying that's the value, take it or leave it. Do, do you think that's obviously we mentioned there obviously previously about how everything's like aligned, everybody's got the same vision, you're all working on the same page. Do you think that was another you know piece of evidence to show that 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 is the case? Because imagine. Obviously, they've come back to the table and said, "Right, if you give us that, this is you know you can have him." Do you think Kieran Scott's then gone to Carrick and said, "Do you want him now, or do you want him in the summer?" You know, either or is okay for us. Do you think we involve Carrick a bit more in that to get that over the line? Um, I'm not sure actually. I think it was an interesting one because early in January, the way it was described to me is that actually um, the two clubs have quite a, a, a 
close relationships maybe the the wrong word but you know a strong respect for each other Steve Gibson apparently really likes their chairman uh, and there has been quite a few deals between the two clubs in recent years if you um, if you think over it was in wingy went there on loan Grant Hall's currently there on loan Matt Crooks came in from there as well so by all accounts Steve Gibson really likes their chairman so I think it was a case of he was the club were quite keen not to kind of get involved in, you know, you sometimes get the, the games that, that 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 played in transfer windows where it's back and forth and there might be stuff coming out in the media and things like that. And Borough were quite keen not to play those games. The Rotherham were aware that, that Borough were interested in the player, but it was a case of like, we're not going to mess about here. We understand, you know, the situation that you're in in terms of why you might not want to let him go. But if you if you decide ultimately that you will, then our offer's there. It's on the table, and, and you can take it. So I don't think there was much of a, an extra push, if you like, from Middlesbrough's point of view to get him. I think it was ultimately. I think it, it was telling that Barlias's move ultimately came about the minute that it was um, Connor Coventry, wasn't it, who went in at Rotherham on loan from West Ham, yeah. and I think it was a deal later that uh, it, it came out that a, a deal had been agreed. Um, for for Barlias. and I think I think it ultimately just rested on that. I think Rotherham just needed to get a replacement in, and they didn't want to rush that because Barlias is obviously or was obviously mm-hmm. such an important player for them uh, in, in in their battle to try and stay in the championship. So it had to be the right player for them as well. It was again, it wasn't just a case for them of signing any midfielder. It had to be someone they felt could replace such an important player in their team. Uh, once they got that, they came back to the table. And I think after that, as I say, because of the relationship between the two clubs, it was a it was a relatively easy deal to do. But I think from from what we hear, Carrick seems as calm behind the scenes as he as he fronts up, you know, if you like to the camera or on the touchline. He's uh, he's really relaxed. He, he's really happy with his squad. And I think if if they hadn't managed to get Barlisser over the line. This month, I think, you know, fine, no problem. I think that have just gone for him and got him in the summer on a free instead. Yeah, I think that's probably where the way it was going. You know, the, the pre-contract, I imagine, was probably already drafted up and ready to go. As soon as probably, probably February 1st came around, you know, send it through, sign that, you know, we'll have you in July. But um, one thing you mentioned there, it absolutely took me back. I completely forgot Grant Hall was still a Borough player. Yeah, I, yeah, I he's out of contact in the summer, isn't he? So. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, um... it was Joe Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> you have him back? No. Next. <laughs> that was an easy one. Would you have him back? No. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a unanimous decision across the board, I think. And that's the goalkeeper in all of us saying no, but um. And finally, before I move on to these lads, um, obviously worst players that we've probably ever brought in. Um, obviously, only three players came in. We saw that as a positive because you know the squad's so well knit. Would you say the clubs come out of it in a better position than they went in into January? I think so. Yeah, I think um, in in Archer they've got a player as we say there who, to me has completely transformed that attack. Um, They've still got alternative options, you know, if they want the big man up top for particular games. Matt Crooks can do a job, he's shown that. Moon is still to come in. I know 
you know, he's 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 had his troubles since Carrick came in. He's not played much. He's currently nursing a bit of a knee injury. But but actually, I think early on, while he maybe lacked a bit of composure in front of goal, I think there was signs that there was a bit of technical ability there. So I think one thing we've seen this season with quite a few is that, um, you know, it will be daft to write any player off, really, particularly under Michael Carrick, because he seems to have this uh, ability to get the best out of players and, uh, and to make players fail. A million dollars. I remember he did it when he was Man United interim boss. He, he, I know he was only three games then, but uh, I think he, he came out in the press at the time and said something about Fred being the most underrated midfielder in the Premier League or something like that. And Fred had like three brilliant performances under Carrick and uh, gradually improved a bit, having not been the most popular person at Old Trafford, shall we say. Um, so he seems to have a bit of a of ability of doing that, you know, Carrick. And uh, a lot of the players speak about the kind of positivity around the place and, and the belief and confidence that he instills in people. So I don't think we should write anyone off. So I think, yeah, Archer really, really um, transformed the attack thought. Um, Ramsey, I think, is a, is an exciting option, like I say, if they can get him fit. And if, uh, based on what I saw of him briefly at Norwich, um, he looked he looked exciting in that game. And, of course, him and Archer will have played together so much coming up through Aston Villa's mm. youth ranks. Um, they'll have a bit of an understanding as well, which could be tapped into, and that could be an interesting uh kind of combination and then as we say Barley so he just adds something extra to the midfield I think with that we've mentioned that long term he's probably Johnny House a Johnny House replacement and you know midfield two of, of Hackney and, and, and Barley so would would look good um and and certainly you know set out the right kind of tempo that and, and, and intent that Middlesbrough want under Carrick uh, but also I think We've seen it with Isaiah Jones this season, young boys who kind of come through. They do tend to go through peaks and troughs. And, you know, there can be no guarantee for Hackney that he's going to be able to sustain this level from now until the end of the season. So I think having that option there as well, where you've got Barlier Sereny can come in if, if, if Hackney does have a little bit of a dip. It's, it's a protection for him as well, ultimately, because, you know, we did see with Jones for a little while where, it almost felt like Jones was too good to take out of the team. There wasn't any alternatives there. Um, and he, he just suffered because he was just there, but clearly not confident and clearly not believing in what he was being asked to do anymore. And, and actually, you know, hopefully taking him out of the team, like Carrick has done, will ultimately have done him the world of good. And as we said, there were positive signs there on Saturday when he did come off the bench. Uh, you know, the, 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 you never know. You can never. I can't wait for the future, but that might happen. Will happen. So Barlias, it gives them that option. Uh, so yeah, ultimately, I think they come out of that January window a lot stronger than what they went in. Just a quick one, Craig, uh, about the transfer window. So you mentioned Muniz there, and I think all the lads on this pod actually quite like Muniz. So I'm a bit surprised. So is it more the club were actively trying to end his loan, or is it? More, his agent was not happy with the amount of minutes he's getting, so he sort of went to the club and said it might be better if we found a different alternative. I, I think it was one ultimately where it would have been in the best interests of everyone, to be honest. I think um, oh. uh, had he gone, I'm not sure Hoppy would have gone out on loan. Um, he's obviously gone, Matthew Hoppy's gone up the Hibernian, uh, which hopefully that'll be brilliant for him. So it could work out in the long run for Borough better. But I think 
had had Muniz gone, I'm not sure that would have happened. But because Hoppy went, actually, probably it suits Borough better that Muniz has stayed um, to make sure they've got those options. And um, yeah, I think ultimately had 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 they been able to sort that down, I think it's one where it would have suited them because you know they are committed to paying quite a high wage for him, and that's ultimately why Fulham want him to play games. Um, he wants to play games, so I think ultimately it was kind of a a case where everyone wanted it. Um, yeah. But from Fulham's point of view, Borough are committed to paying quite a big wage, um, and and they still see him as a, a kind of you know, like kind of um, successor to, to, to Alexander Mitrovic eventually. They still believe he's, he, he is that man. Um, and, and so the offers that they did have were from uh, Europe mainly, and I think there was a couple in Brazil, but they were for permanent transfers. So it didn't suit them to sell him because they see him as a prospect for the future. And it didn't suit them to loan him out to Europe either because they want him to to kind of experience English football and growing English football more. And, you know, to, to, even the language, he's, still, he's English still isn't very good. So even if he's not playing much at Borough, he's he's needing to be in and around, you know, a, a, a largely English-speaking group, which will develop his English and, uh, you know, develop his, if you like, he's being around the culture and, and, and living in England. Um, so ultimately, for Fulham, they, they would only really have sanctioned a deal if I think if it was a, a loan to another Championship club. Um, I am quite surprised that nobody, presumably nobody, did come in for him from the Championship. I thought late in the window there might have been someone who uh, who was kind of desperate to get a striker in and, and made that move, but it it didn't happen. And um, like I say, I wouldn't write him off by any means. Again, he's he's another, he's another young lad, isn't he? Yeah, twenty one. Yeah. So then, just to finish up with, with regards to Duncan Watmore, while he's been he's been an absolute model pro, and his yeah. performances on the pitch have been really good. Uh, do you think that was more to do with the fact that we've got him for free? He was superb while he was here, acted very professionally. There was a uh, offer of a decent contract on the table, and we've sort of said because of his service while he's been here, we'll let that happen rather than us. I, I would imagine we didn't particularly want him to leave. But it was more to get him a contract for a couple of years. Yeah, I think I think you know a bit of that. I, I do think ultimately the club would have probably were going down the line of releasing him in the summer. Yeah. I, I can't imagine he would have been offered a new deal. But they weren't actively looking to sell him this month. Um, Millwall's surprise, uh, Millwall's um, interest, sorry, came as a bit of a surprise to them, and it's why the Archer one kind of came up late. Um, See, because of Archer's, sorry, not Archer, Ramsey. I keep getting them two mixed up. But uh, yeah, because the Ramsey one came up quite late and, and they weren't really expecting Ramsey to be available this month because of his injury. Um, but as I say, as it happened, quite close links now with Aston Villa because of Aaron Danks. And, uh, you know, they, they were able to get the information that he trained on the Tuesday morning uh, to get that loan deal through, which allowed them to ultimately sanction the Watmore exit. But I think, yeah, I think ultimately... They weren't actively looking to sell him. That was probably just going to be one where he was a good option to have until the summer, release him, and then in the summer transfer window where it's a lot easier to, to sign players, a lot more players are available, they would have then looked for the kind of longer-term quality replacement. Um, because Millwall's interest was there, they were able to act and, and bring someone in to allow that to happen. 
uh, I think from Watmore's point of view, the kind of longer term deal, et cetera, I think that was in his thinking because again, you know, he, he loved it down here. He wasn't uh, he wasn't looking to leave or anything. His agent told us that he was quite surprised uh, when it all came about. It all came as a bit of a shock to them. Um, but but ultimately, you know, for him, it was it was that security. Millwall strangely don't ever publish how long they give out contracts for, but the 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 release just said it was a long term contract. So you presume it's at least eighteen months, which is obviously an extra season that he would have got at Barrett. So you know, good move for him really when you think just before he moved to Barrett, he's on the brink of going to play in India. So yeah. Yeah, uh, you've got a you know ninety-seven appearances for the club uh, on a free transfer. Like you say, he's been a model pro, so good luck to him. Do, do you not yeah. think, Craig, as well though, because um, we've got a fee for 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 what more? It's probably effectively meant that sort of Aaron Ramsey's coming to Middlesbrough on a free. We haven't paid anything for him because I'd imagine the fee that we got for what more, although it wasn't a lot of money, it'll probably cover Aaron Ramsey's wages. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I wonder what the how much they're paying for Ramsey because quite often those deals, you know, that's one where it suits Villa and um, by all accounts. And I mean, it, it was it was reported in the Athletic that you know they're they're reputable, they're they're good. Uh, they said that by all accounts, the his loan at Norwich, which was meant to be for the season, was cancelled by Norwich rather than Villa. Um, and the initial thought was that when he suffered the injury that required surgery in December. Um, Aston Villa had kind of cut the loan to bring him back and rehab him and whatnot because it was expected to be quite a long-term one. But actually, the Athletic were reporting last week that uh, that it was Norwich who cancelled it because he was Dane Smith's man, and um, and Stuart Webber, their director of football, by all accounts, wasn't as sold on him. So, um, so that's one where you, you question: Will Borough actually need to be paying that much for that because it's a uh, it's in Aston Villa's interest that he gets back out and he plays games and, and, and whatnot um, and develops. And as I say, there is, there is a bit of a connection there now between the two clubs because of, of Aaron Danks coming in at Borough. Um, so, yeah, I think from from a... You, you think about it, it's complicated and I hate talking about it, but like financial fair play standpoint, uh, Duncan Watmore came in for nothing. So he was down on the balance sheet as, as you know, nothing. And, and yet they've got a fee for him, however minimal it was. That's a positive on the balance sheet. So I think it, it just works out well for Borough ultimately. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't like talking about financial fair play. <laughs> um, I'm not a big fan of it. Ask Man City. Man City don't like it. I have a bad sound it as well. So, um, <laughs> but, um, but I understand it. There's, there's another team in London <laughs> that I'm sure will be getting dragged up as well. <clears throat> Chelsea, yeah. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. You know, um, eight-year contracts and stupid. But um, one last question before I, I move on, Craig. I mean, this is a, this is a question that's bugged me. Where's Matt Clark? <laughs> it's um, it's an unfortunate one. I always feel sorry for footballers. I've seen a few asking, "Is he the new Amiobi?" And I think, well, <laughs> Matt Clark at least did uh, get the pull on a Borough shirt. We did, we did see evidence of him being at the club. But yeah, we we asked Carrick about him recently, and it was it was Leo who initially told us because he his last game was Wilder's last game in charge, mm-hmm. and. Um, Leo had mentioned that he was having troubles with his back and nerves in his back, which it made a lot of sense at the time because I remember when he first started, it, it was his debut where he was like 
playing as the 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 overlapping centre back on the left, and he bombed down the left, and I think he created a goal or something, didn't he? And then all of a sudden, Wilder's last few games, he just looked like he was really struggling for mobility. I remember he had a particularly difficult night against Sunderland. Um, so yeah, so it made a lot of sense when they said that he had nerve issues in his back, but obviously now that's October and it's it's February now and he's still not back. We asked Carrick and he he said he's had one or two um one or two issues. Um, you know, other other problems arising as he's been trying to build back the fitness. Um so he sounds like he's just having a bit of of a struggle at the moment. I, I had heard a whisper actually during the winter that um that Blackpool, funnily enough, were interested in him and wanted him. They were they were kind of desperate for a centre back by all accounts. Uh, so when I'd asked someone at the club about that, that had come back that you know that, that there's no chance of him leaving because he is struggling with injuries. So I, I'm not quite sure what's going on with him, but he just seems like he's he's having a bit of a bad time at the minute. But yeah, he's another one who I, I can't remember, someone mentioned earlier in the podcast the fact that. Uh, Daryl Ennehan was um, Blackburn's player of the year and it was it was great to get him. And, and actually, my clerk, was it four of the last five seasons where he, he was his club's player of the season? Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's a player in there and I thought there were signs of it in his first couple of games. But, yeah, unfortunately, he's not quite working out for him at the moment. I think he's another player that will benefit from playing in a four rather than a five as well. I think he'll be if he if he manages to get any games this season, he'll be a lot better in a four. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd agree with that. He, um, I don't know if it's the mobility issues, but say I just felt, that, especially the goal at Coventry. I thought the goal at Coventry was a was one down his side. Um, I say Gokarez got around his shoulder and obviously put the ball in in what proves to be Wilder's final game. Um, but yeah. I just thought I'd ask the question because I saw a picture of him the other day at North Shore Academy. And I thought, you know, why do they get to see him and we can't see him? You know, at least in a in a training picture. You know, but you know, hopefully, you know, he gets back to the fitness real soon. But um, yeah, I'll um, I'll come back to you for the uh, the, the Cardiff preview because I want to come to Steve now. Um, Borough's worst eleven. You prepared one. Um, I've had a couple of people come to me. Um, this could be funny. This, um, <clears throat> he's got his notes. He's ready. Um, ping me through your eleven because I, I, I say I, I've got one as well. And then I say, Jason, our before I start, actually, I want to give a big shout out, Jason. He's just become a dad. Uh, he listens to the podcast very regularly. Texas everywhere around the country. He's always very good. Uh, Always on time, but his little girl was very early. She was three weeks early. So, Jason, many congratulations from all of us. Um, yeah, hopefully see you back on the bus very very soon. Back to you, Steve. Well, congratulations to Jason. First of all, well done, pal. Um, so... Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well done, mate. <laughs> well, well done to well done to Mrs. Jason as well for going through the labour. Yeah. Yeah, well. yeah, women don't listen to this podcast. Not that. So I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'm sure. Anyway, well, swiftly I'm moving on before my wife hears. <laughs> um. So the, the the worst eleven. I only went back as far as 2010. Uh, I think that's all you need to go back. You, you can go on and on and on and on and on and on. 
So I went back in 2010 and I have to, have to praise a lady, actually, which is my daughter, Sophie, because she helped us with this because she's, she's a proper staple. So me and Sophie had a look back through Middlesbrough's transfer history. And uh, the team we come up with was uh, in goal, Dejan Stianovic, who was a million pound signer under Jonathan Woodgate. Uh, we went the back four of Bernardo Espinosa for four million pounds, Antonio Barragan, two million pounds, Aidan Flint, six million pounds, and Ryan Shotton for three million pounds. Uh, in midfield, uh, Adeline Guardiola, who was signed for three and a half million pounds, Kevin Thompson from Rangers, two million pounds. George Savile, £7 million. And then a front three of Rudy Gestead for £6 million. Britta Sambalonga for £15 million. And Ashley Fletcher for £6.5 million. <clears throat> that, that start in 11 accumulated £56 million. That start in 11. If I had it changed Kevin Thompson for Martin Piero, it would have broke £60 million. Steve Gibson's just switched off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the pennies so, drop the gibble. Who will I let spend all this money on? Yeah. Rubbish. So that, that, that 11 was 56 million, but if you switch Kevin Thompson for Piero, that was over 60 million pounds of rubbish. <laughs> so it just shows you that recruitment really is very, very important moving forward under the, the new financial fair play guidelines because it's quite easy to run away with yourself. Um, Another one I didn't mention, obviously, was Carlos De Pena for two point six million pounds. Hey God, yeah, the, the club's um, yeah. the club's photographer. Jesus Christ! Ashley yeah. Fletcher for seven. Oh, he's in the yeah. team. Six and he's in the team. He's in the team. He's in. So yeah, yeah. So, oh, no, it's, it's yeah. I mean, you listen to some of the figures there. I mean, Jesus. I'll start with him because I fucking hate him. Rudy Gestead, what was he? What was he? I mean, I mean he was very fortunate. He was very he was fortunate for, because he he was very he, fortunate he didn't get a boot in the end of Newport. That's what he was fortunate about. He got a he got a great contract out the border. Telling me, well, he, 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 cost him, he cost him about ten million pounds, including his wages. He was over ten million pounds, including his wages. Absolutely. I'll tell you what he was. He was a goal scorer at Blackburn before he came here. It was the case of our strikers. He scored the grand total of six goals for Borough. Six. Yeah. That's disgusting, though. Million pound a goal. I always remember <clears> his, his <throat> miss it. It's, remember, remember, he's missed at Swansea away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At the yeah. last minute. That would have yeah. been a game changer for us. And he missed oh, you're telling me. Yards the the best, yeah. One of the best crosses I've ever seen. I've hopped this little steel bar it's home and away fans gone for it thinking get in there late winner had to turn my ass round because he buggered it up and thought oh Jesus and slipped back into the away end so no one saw otherwise yeah I'd have been, I'd have been dragged down South Wales Police Station so but yeah oh, it's, it, I, I, I don't call many players out often uh, but God Almighty, Jesus Christ, Rudy Castell. I'm sorry. I he, he had the cheek to ask the club, give me a six month contract and I'll play on during the pandemic. You have my life. Million pound a goal, you want to yeah. do that? Jog on. Yeah. I'm just pleased that uh Warnock sent him packing. Ah, he did well, Colin. 
Well done, Colin. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. But yeah, Jason sent his team in, and most of the players you've mentioned there got to mention as well. Obviously, he's putting there Sammy Amiobi as well, which I'm going to agree with. That boy earned a living. He earned a wage every week for, uh, I, I don't know. Wait, I, I, I don't, Steve, I don't sorry. Know. Steve, sorry, you said earned there. You mean he picked up, he didn't so, earn so, anything. So, yeah, sorry. He, um, he, 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 he turned up on payday. There you go. He turned up on payday, got his pay packet, and went home. That's all you can say he did. You know, um, yeah, I mean, we won't be the only club who've, who yeah. could rattle off um, expensive flops, but when you come, when you come, mm-hmm. sort of add the figures up, it's a vast amount of money. You know that uh, mm-hmm. that our previous sort of recruitment division mm-hmm. have been um, uh, have been allowed to squander. Yeah, Bloody hell. Oh, so some of the, some of the amounts have been spent. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, another player I'll put in there, Tian Daly. When Twight Tindale came in, we thought, oh, you know, solid right back, he'll do a job to cover and sue. And I mean, I mean, he practically watched Troy Deeney run past him. And, and, and bear in mind, Troy Deeney, I mean, I love the guy, I think he's brilliant. He's not quick, he's not quick in the stretch of the imagination. But he, <laughs> he, he flew, he flew past Tindale, a right back. He flew past him. I couldn't believe what I was seeing at Watford Trendy. that day. Troy Deeney's never flew past anyone, has he? <laughs> the police. <laughs> he flew past. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he doesn't listen. He'd be probably be throttling us now. But um, but no, you. come find me. <laughs> no, no, don't come find me. But um, no, we, like you said there, though, we've had some with oh, Jesus Christ, we've had some awful players, and we're just very fortunate now we've got a squad that um we're all happy with, you know. We're missing a couple of players, you know, to make it a complete squad, but everybody is in this league, so, you know, I can't complain. But, um, right, let's finish it off. Cardiff. Um, <clears throat> JD, obviously the trip to South Wales. We like making the trip to South Wales, so I don't, I don't mind going across the border, I suppose, to Swansea and Cardiff. Obviously, we get a good welcome. Um you promised you three, three bonds for seven fifty. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and uh, it's it's just good memories, especially in the month of February, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I always like I always like the, the longer trips. It's uh, it's much more fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I enjoy going to Cardiff because um, I meet up with some old mates. They always sort out a, a, a good pub for us. So we get in there. You know, we sat down for a few hours. Um, and then make our way at the game, and it's uh, it's always a good trip. And yeah, we, we've had some uh, we've had some good results down there recently. We have. I mean, our, our most recent trip cuts obviously was um, the t- the two 0 win. That f- funny enough, the guy that managed Blackpool last uh, last the weekend just gone, cost him his job. But um, you know, it's it's they've obviously got a new manager in again in uh, Sabu Namuchi. Um, he's he's I think he's lost his first two games so far, um, including against Hull last weekend. Um, we've got a goal there, and we've really got to step on them and say, you know, show the class again, haven't we? Uh, 
I think it's this division, isn't it? You can say about us going there and showing the class. They thumped us 3 0 at home, and it could have been a lot more at half time. But I think yeah. Carrick will do his own work on Cardiff. Um, and if we play anywhere near how we've been playing the last few weeks, Baron Sunderland, you would imagine that we would pick up a result down there. And let, let's hope we do. No, absolutely right. I mean, yeah, you mentioned there about obviously the. the you know the reverse, the re- reverse role fixture. You know we were three 0 down, and and rightly so. But you know it was coming towards, I suppose the end of Wilder, wasn't it? You know just the team wasn't quite right, and things weren't going so well. But you know I'll come into the team then, Steve. Obviously, you know, do you make a change? Do we make? Do we bring Fry back in for this? Obviously, you know they've got some big lumps up front. You know, do it. Do we focus on that or do we just keep playing our game? Well, yeah, it's, you know, horses for courses and, you know, that might be in, in Carrick's thinking that he thinks we might need more of an aerial threat against Cardiff. Um, you are a physical side, so that wouldn't surprise me. And you'd have the, you know, if, if it's a tactical reason, you've got to go with it. He's, he's getting them all right, like we've pointed out earlier on in the show, that every time he's made a big call, it's, it's come up trumps and, um, I just think it's a game that Middlesbrough need to win because if you beat Cardiff, again, it adds to the pressure on Sheffield United. And obviously, we've got Sheffield United next away on the Wednesday night live on Sky. Nearly 3,000 Borough fans going down there. If we can go down, if we can win on Saturday against Cardiff and then somehow get the Sheffield and take three points off them, I think the whole picture dramatically changes. But it's all if, buts, and maybes. And it starts at Cardiff. Now, Cardiff are a side that haven't won in the last 11 games in all competition. They've lost the last four off the spin and they haven't won at home since Rotherham on the 29th of October. So it really is a fixture that you're looking at from Middlesbrough, who are in top form at the moment, to go there you know, and take the bull by the horns and, 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 and stamp the authority and get the three points. Then you're then looking at Sheffield United and saying, right, come on, boys, can we actually change the landscape of the championship this season? Because Sheffield United is going to be one hell of a game if we can take three points off Cardiff. Yeah, I mean, and obviously we'll talk about Sheffield United next week, but I do want to mention it now, Craig. Obviously, you know, it's all building to that moment now, isn't it? You know, they had their slip up at the weekend. I know it was only nil nil against Rotherham, but you know, they've got their extra game in, obviously, midweek against um, Wrexham, obviously going to Bramall Lane. Is the feeling now, obviously, in the press box, if Borough can get that win at Bramall Lane, you know, providing we get the three points on Saturday, that all of a sudden, the top two, maybe not so much Burnley, but definitely Sheffield United, they're there to be got at and we can actually reel them in and start making this an actual race for second. I think so, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw Dom's tweet on Saturday, but uh, he called me out for for analysing Sheffield United's uh, <laughs> fixtures, <laughs> getting a bit carried away. But listen, I think that's a good position to be in. Don't get me wrong, you'd rather have the points on the board, of course you would, but it's quite nice to be chasing because particularly from where Borough have come from when, when Carrick took over 21st, um, I don't think there's any pressure or any expectation to get second, but I think absolutely if, if you know, if Borough, as long as they get the result in Cardiff and then they go to Bramall Lane and, and win then, 
I think you know that chase is on, and and the pressure then is on Sheffield United. What what I would say is I know they did slip up on Saturday, but actually they've since is it since October I think I saw somebody um, put up the deal that um, they've actually dropped less points than Borough since October. Sheffield United, um, I think Borough have dropped eight. Sheffield United have dropped seven. So the the statistics, if you like, the numbers suggest that it's going to be too large a, a, a gap to overturn. But like I say, it's a different ball game altogether when it comes into the running, and suddenly then you know character comes into it a lot. Do they start getting nervy, particularly if Borough keep that pressure on for as long as Borough keep winning? And as I say, if they get that win at Bramall Lane, which by the way is not an easy thing to do, I think particularly under the lights in midweek, I think Bramall Lane's probably one of the toughest grounds in the Championship to go to and get a result. But uh, if if Borough can do it, and and at the minute I don't see any reason why they can't the way they're playing, um, the pressure's really on then, and Sheffield United are suddenly really looking over, over the shoulder, and that's when doubts start to creep in and silly mistakes start to happen, etc. They've still got difficult games to play this season. It's I don't it would be very difficult. I'm not sure I'm seeing it on, but it's you know there's no reason why Borough shouldn't going for it and thinking positively about it. Can I just say on that point, Craig, after, after they play Middlesbrough, back-to-back this is, in order, <laughs> Sheffield United's fixtures after Middlesbrough are Millwall away, Watford at home, Blackburn away, Redden away, Luton at home, Sunderland away, West Brom at home and Norwich away. Now, they, they will drop points on yeah, that It's road. a tough, tough run. They will, they, they will drop points on that run and obviously no doubt Middlesbrough will as well. But if we can beat Sheffield United, there will be an opportunity for Middlesbrough to, to reel them in. Like you say, Steve, it, it, you know, you've got to you've got to think positive. 16 games left, but we just have to make sure that we um we get the three points on Saturday because That's if it. we don't get if we don't get the win, um it it makes it it makes it more difficult, obviously. Yeah, um, you don't want to get so, too far ahead of ourselves. We just got to concentrate. Yeah, yeah Cardiff, exactly. Yeah, get the job exactly. done against Cardiff and move on to Sheffield. But it's a huge opportunity for them because they will drop points, no doubt, with them fixtures. Absolutely. You know, as, as I say, we'll talk more depth into um, Sheffield United on, um, next week when we chat away. Um, but you know, I just thought I'd bring them in straight away because obviously I did see the tweet from Dom. Um, so I knew exactly what I was doing when I saw it and I say you've done what Craig you've done exactly what every other Borough fan's done you've seen the fixtures going forward and we've all got ahead of ourselves like you know maybe maybe but I, like JC just said there we've really got to focus on Saturday you know Kyle's going to be a tough test always is when we go there so but I just feel we've got way too much for him but I'll start with you JJ give me a score prediction for Saturday 2-0, uh, Archer to score first goal. Oh. And just think, if Bet365 has sponsored us, I'd give you a scorecast, but I can't because <laughs> they won't give us a sponsor. It'll happen one day. Cut, yeah, talk bet you. responsibly. Yes, please bet responsibly. Sorry, please bet responsibly. Cut, on to you. I'm that was Ray Winston. 2-1 win, and Daryl Ennehan was the first goal. Oh, Daryl Ennehan. And Scoffer Bury, has he? No. It's, it's yeah. coming. 
I mean, I mean, Josh has been saying Dale Fry one nil for four years, so yeah, it's 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 coming. I'll give you that, Steve. I will go three one Middlesbrough. Lovely goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Goal scorer. I will go. Hey, you've got to go Tuba, haven't you? Tuba up on. I honestly thought you just went. I'll go me. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Paul. But uh, <laughs> Craig, I'll come to you. You know what would you, obviously you're going to be putting your 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 write up of your of you know your preview out there in the, in the coming days. You know, um, I'll give it a read. I usually do. Um, what are you going to be saying for a score prediction wise? Well, I now know who is the person who reads that article every week. So thanks for that, David. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I always thought it was me, man. But there you go. <laughs> Yeah, um, there's two of us. Sorry. <laughs> but no, uh, I'll go 3 0 Borough uh, Archer first goal. Wow. 3 0. Don't you dare say wow. You said 5 0 for last weekend. Don't you dare yeah. say wow. Well, 3 0. I was only two goals off, wasn't it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I'll give By the way, as well, just before uh, we move on, shout out to Saul Bamber as well. I mean, you mentioned the new manager. He's obviously gone in there, hasn't he, as part of their coaching team? Yeah. Yes, so, he is. Uh, delighted to see Saul well, get back in because he's a, a great guy. Well, yeah. I'll be singing his name. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of other Borough fans will be singing his name before the game. Yeah. Definitely. Good luck, after Saturday. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna tell I'm gonna tell everybody not to sing it, so it was just you by yourself. I don't mind. I, I don't mind. I've done that plenty of times. Plenty of times over the years. <laughs> no, I'll be I'll be singing Big Sol's name. I think Sol was brilliant for Borough, and um, yeah, good luck to him in his um, his, uh, his his I suppose his first big um, coaching role. I know he had a coaching role at Borough, but it wasn't as senior as this one. But yeah, after Saturday, you've got all our luck. But until then, mate, you know, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll wish you luck on Sunday but um, I'm going 4-0 I'm going 4-0 Go on, I, give I, him it John give him it John hold on a minute when I said 5-0 against Blackpool everyone roared and laughed we're away to Cardiff and he's saying 4-0 no one's laughing it's like I'm getting at, uh, picked on here boys you know what I mean <laughs> yeah but we never beat Mick McCarthy 5-0 ever have we ever and won a Cardiff 4-0? No. There you go then. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're I, right. I really do think we'll 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 give them a good um a good booting. And um it's been coming, and it's someone so we're gonna give someone a good idea, and I think Saturday could be the day. Just in time for next Wednesday, you know. But um you know, the anticipation's getting there already, isn't it? But um but we'll talk about that next week. And that and that boys is that. Stay. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, can I just mention that um, a few lads doing a, a, a walk? Oh, God, yes. Um, in, aid of, yeah. in aid of the Michael Carrick Foundation, walking from the Riverside Stadium to Rockcliffe Hall, Rockcliffe Park, uh, and then having a bit of a break, a bit of breakfast, and then walking back mm-hmm. on the day of the um, both walks there and mm-hmm. back, are, uh, are on the day of the QBR game. So there's a there's yeah. a, a just given page set up, um, and I'll put a link on on Twitter, and for everybody who makes a donation, they'll be put into the a draw um, to win a signed Michael Carrick um, caricature done by Graham Bandera. 
Uh, it's it's a fantastic print, and um, like I said, Michael Kellex signed it. Uh, and for everybody who makes a donation, their name will go into the draw, uh, and one lucky person will uh, will take that on. All right, not physically because we won't hand it to him, but we will send it to you. Um, but um, and I'll put some pressure on me here. Um, we'll do that draw live on YouTube after the Q- our podcast after the QPR game or whenever the, the donations finish because I'll make sure by then you can see our lovely faces again because I know you've missed us the last three years so well maybe um, so yes I'll get us back on YouTube for that um, so there you go there's something to look forward to pencil out in your diaries end of Feb we'll be back live so you can interact with us as you usually did with all the names under the earth it used to call us. So we look forward to it already. Um, am I forgetting anything else? I'm not, am I? No. Yeah, the 12-man no, pod- podcast soon to be sponsored by some uh, Sunbed company. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to have, have, so have a segment, Cutler's Corner. And we're going to show you, yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be good. I, I can't wait to get his back um, interacting with us live. I've missed it. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really good. Um, and just like that, our time's done. Um, unless JD wants to interrupt me again. No? Good. No, that was it. We're good. We're good. Um, I'm glad your memory's better than mine, because mine's terrible. Um, that's it for another week. Um, we're going to enjoy a trip abroad. We'll be back next week. Um hopefully with three more points to talk about. Craig, thank you so much for popping on, my man. Um, you'll be on again soon enough. We know how much you love coming on. So, yeah, thanks very much, lads. Always a pleasure. Yeah, no, it's, it's never never a chore, my man. It's always good to have you on. Um, you three, thank you for popping on again. Um, you're always here. Um, brighten me wake up, so thank you. Um, it's, always, it's always a pleasure to have Craig, but you three, you're always here. Cheers, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you don't fucking hear the rest of it. Did you? you brighten up my week? There you go. You brighten up. My, you better to brighten up my week. Um, as to you listening, thank you so much uh, for liking, subscribing, commenting, interacting. Um, the link will go up for the Just Giving page. Please donate as best you can. Um, you know we chucked in a caricature of Michael Carrick signed print. Um, it's Bandy signed it as well. Or yes, isn't he at the bottom? He signs all his ones, yep. Um, but cool. like you said, we've got, uh, we got Michael Carrick to sign it, so it's a little bit special. Not that your signature isn't, Graham. Right? We do love you, Bandy. Um, but we'll have, we'll have Bandy on it. I'll probably get Bandy on for the draw. There you go. So, yeah, we'll try again That's next That's a good week. idea, yeah. Good idea, that's for you. I'm, I'm full of them, mate. Um, and just like that, we're done. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk again next week. Arrivederci, up the border. Up the border. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Up the border.